Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right. We want to welcome you to Midweek and to the Connect podcast. Uh, Be sure to let people know that you're on. Uh, Be sure to share this, like it, and uh, just invite invite your friends because we are going to not only get into the Bible, which is so important, but we're, we're trying to get the Bible into us so we can live it out in our lives. So I want to welcome you, and I'm so glad that you're joining us. It's going to be a great morning. I've been looking into this passage here that we're going to get into, and I think it's going to be super encouraging for all of us. We need, uh, we need the truth in our lives. We need some encouragement. I'm calling today, I'm calling it Jesus's life because uh, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, the life, but not only is he the life, he is the way to life. He gives us life now and forever, and our lives should just revolve and rotate around him. And I'm going to share with you some reasons why today, as we get into this, last week we talked about in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we talked about the truth of the resurrection. And uh, so we're going to continue that discussion and what difference it makes in our lives. Uh, But, you know, you think about life, the longest any person, according to uh, (laughs) just if you look at Guinness, you know, you look at the Guinness World Records, they have recorded a person who lived 122 years. But a few years ago, Time Magazine announced that uh, Google was funding a company that will try to extend the, our lifespan and solve aging, the problem of aging. Of aging. And, and in fact, uh, Time Magazine asked on their cover in huge letters, can Google solve death? And so the death curing company that Time Magazine was referring to is Calico. And uh, Calico will focus on health and well-being, in particular the challenge of aging and associated diseases. And so um, they want to uh, they want to alter the basic nature of human existence. But if you want more details, here's all the details. All right, here's what they wrote. Um, and they wrote, okay, so you're probably thinking, wow, that's a lot different from what Google does today, right? Google, you search on the internet, and you're right. But as we explained in our first letter, there's tremendous potential for technology more generally to improve people's lives. So don't be surprised if we invest in projects that seem strange or speculative. And uh, so they're trying to solve the problem of aging, solve the problem of death, right? I'm thinking back to that movie. If you ever saw that movie in 2007, The Bucket List, remember with Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, uh, they were trying to accomplish all the things they wanted to do before they uh, 
die before they kick the bucket, right? And uh, so here's what Jack Nicholson uh, said when he was thinking about his personal life as he was uh, preparing for this movie. He said, I used to live so freely. The mantra for my generation was be your own man, I always said. Hey, you can have whatever rules you want. I'm going to have mine. I'll accept the guilt. I'll pay the check. I'll do the time. I chose my own way. That was my philosophical position well into my 50s. But as I've gotten older, I've had to adjust. And he adds this. He says, we all want to go on forever, don't we? We want to live forever. We fear the unknown. Everybody goes to that wall, yet nobody knows what's on the other side of the wall. That's why we fear death. And, uh, you know, thinking about that, one of the challenges that we face today is that there's just so much information. There's so much to keep up with uh, in our lives. You know, we've got constant notifications. Um, we've got constant. The news cycle uh, is always turning over. And some people have, have argued that up until a few hundred years ago, an educated person could literally know everything there was to know about almost everything because there was a limited amount of information. Um, now, you know, it's like, Everything changes every 24 hours. And so, so here's what they say. They say Americans know everything about the last 24 hours, considerably less about the last 24 years, and next to nothing about the last 2,400 years. Uh, so the question is, what is most important? What actually matters? Well, what I want us to, to understand is, is we're thinking about life and death, issues of life and death. You know, the thing that matters the most for us today, what I want to say we should be focusing in on is the resurrection, the truth of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection. And so we're going to be looking into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We started last week uh, and we got up through verse 19 today. I'm going to try to get us as far as we can. We'll see how the time goes. Um, I don't want to keep you too long, but... Um, as we look beginning in verse 20 and through verse, um, verse 28, what we find here is, you know, Paul is, is fighting for their faith. He's saying, what is your faith in? And what we're going to find out here is that the resurrection makes your faith real. Okay. It's not just having faith for faith's sake. It's what do you put your faith in? And we put our faith in Jesus and we put our faith in the fact the, the reality of the resurrection. So in verse 20, but Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is an enemy. Death is an enemy, but it is a defeated enemy. For he has put, in verse 27, he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he's done this, then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. He is all in all. 
right? So, so he says, he, he starts talking about those who have fallen asleep. Now he's not talking about taking a nap, right? This is a, this is a more, you know, um, euphemistic way of saying they have died. They had died. And so he's talking about this picture of the harvest and the fact that uh, the first fruits, he's talking about the, the first fruits of those who fall asleep, the first fruits. Uh, and what was happening in that time, the practice is that you would take the first fruit of your crop um, and you would bring it to the Lord as a sacrifice. And until you had done that, you couldn't buy or sell the rest of the crop. So you bring that first fruit to the Lord out of gratitude and praise. And so Jesus was that first fruit. Jesus was the first one that God raised from the dead. And then we follow. And he wants to bring us the same result, the same resurrection that we get to experience that Jesus experienced, right? And so if you look at verse 24 and 25, I think we should should look at this. He's talking about God um, having dominion. And Jesus having dominion and authority and power and and destroying all of those enemies that we fear so much and and our greatest fear, come on, is death, right? And we look around our world today, you look at the sin in our world, you look at the evil that is just, just pervasive in our culture, and all you have to do is look at a look at a uh, news article, look at you know open open, you know, your newsfeed and you will see, uh, murder and crime and selfishness and greed and corruption and, and, you know, death. And we get so discouraged because this gets pumped into us time after time after time. And we start thinking, wow, how are we going to survive? What's going to happen? What is happening? What is this world coming to? But when you know Christ, when you have faith, in Christ, you know, and we know that there is a day that is certain to come where Jesus puts all those enemies under his feet, all sin, all shame, all um, violence, all abuse, all uh, crime, all injustice, everything, all enemies will come under the justice and the rule of Jesus. And when that happens, then there is this kingdom of love and righteousness uh, that will be established forever. Now, here's the, here's the secret to that. We're already living in that kingdom today, you and I. We don't have to fear any of those enemies because we know that Christ has already conquered them. Christ has already conquered. Now, they still have some effect in the world around us and even on us, but ultimately, you're of a different world. You're of a different kingdom. So we should be courageous. Um, even in the face of of death, knowing that Jesus has already defeated death. Death is a defeated enemy, okay? Now, here's, here's a principle that we find here, that we will spend eternity in resurrected bodies. And we're going to be getting into that because, check it out, because of the resurrection of Jesus, first, we know we can be saved. We are saved because of the resurrection. Jesus died on the cross to uh, pay the price for our sin, to pay the penalty for our sin. 
um, and all the sin of, of the world and everyone who puts their faith and trust in him, they are, they are uh, forgiven and free. And then he rose from the dead to, to bring new life, to bring new life. So let's look at verse 29. And this is a, this is, uh, can be a difficult verse to understand. Okay. Um, this is one of those challenging verses. He says, now, if there's no resurrection and he's making an argument here, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? Maybe you'd ask, why are people doing this anyway? Some practice that may have been going on in this church. Um, now, Paul didn't say he was doing this, but some people were baptizing, whatever this means. We don't know what this means, okay? Um, but what he's saying, in essence, is you know, it is meaningless to live as a Christian if there's no resurrection. It's meaningless to, to have any kind of spiritual uh, practices or habits in your life if, if there's no resurrection. It all hinges on the resurrection of Jesus, okay? Why worship? Why baptize anyone? Why uh, uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper? Why pray? Why even read the Bible if there's no resurrection? Uh, because it doesn't, it, it would ultimately, it might make you feel better, but it wouldn't be true because the Bible proclaims that Jesus rose from the dead. And so, um, you know, we don't know exactly what he means by this about baptizing for the dead. There's, I heard there were like 30 different explanations of what it could be. But whenever you have a difficult um, uh, verse in the Bible, you, you should not develop a whole theology around a, an obscure, difficult to understand verse, because we know the clear teaching of the Bible. We know clearly that uh, it is, the Bible says it's appointed once to a person to die and then face the judgment. There's no, you know, you don't get a, a second chance after you die. And so uh, baptism is to follow a confession of faith in Christ. And so um, here's the deal. When I come to something difficult, you know, I don't want to check my brain at the door. You want to understand it as best as you can. But I also know that there's just some things I'm not going to understand clearly until I get to heaven. And then if I'm still concerned about it, I can ask God about that. We know that baptism is um, for those who put their faith and trust in Christ. It's the first step of obedience of a, of a new believer. And at the Connection Church this Sunday, we're actually going to be baptizing. Uh, you can get in on that if you uh, need to take that step in your life. Um, if you, if you um, want to come and celebrate with us, then I would encourage you to be here celebrating those baptisms. But see, Paul wasn't trying to confuse us. They understood what he was talking about. And uh, he was trying to make a point about uh, the, the reality of the resurrection, that there, um, you know, that, that you have the certain certainty that someone who's died in Christ, they will be resurrected. And so because of the resurrection, we know we can be saved. We also know that we can serve. We can serve faithfully. Look at verse uh, 30 here in 1 Corinthians 15. And as for us, he's getting personal again. Why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Um, 
you know, Paul is not just saying, here, let me teach you this, this principle for somebody else. He's saying, I'm doing this. I'm living this out. And he is so personal. He's so authentic saying, I'm, I'm proving this with my life. That's why I'm not afraid of facing death every day for the sake of Jesus. And, um, and so he's saying, you know, if this life is all there is, then why would I waste my life? Why would I waste my time trying to share the gospel? But, you know, eternal life is, um, is a real promise of God, and it's backed by the real power of God. We saw it uh, in Scripture. We saw that this is a reality. And, and when the Bible talks about eternal life, I want you to remember this. There's two parts of eternal life. It's not just, uh, it's not just life that goes on forever, how much life, but it's the kind of life that you live that you don't have to wait until you die to be living in eternity or to be living in the light of eternity. It's not just the quantity of life, how much, it's also the quality of life that you have today because you've been set free from fear. And uh, so you have a new kind of life. Jesus says in John 10, 10, that uh, he gives life more abundantly, more fully, more joyfully. I hope you're experiencing that kind of life today um, and, and and living in, in God's grace, in the grace of God. Um, and, and so we are also looking forward to eternity. And because I know I have eternity to look forward to, man, I can put up with all kinds of mess here. I can put up with all kinds of problems here because I know that this is the worst it's going to get. I mean, as bad as this world gets, uh, the best is still to come. Now, also, because of, uh, because of the resurrection, we are sanctified. And, and that's, a, that's one of those big churchy words, sanctified. But it basically means to, to be made holy and whole, to be changed, to, to, be made, uh, to be made clean. And so he says, check this out, in verse 33, and this is some good stuff, don't be misled. I just noticed what, what Jess said, and that's good. We are saved to serve. We like to say that. And if you're not serving, you're swerving, right? So um, so be sure to, to step up and serve. You, you will not regret that. We want to encourage you to do that. Uh, serve in the church and serve in your, in your everyday life. Uh, we are sanctified, all right? So here's, here's verse 33. Did not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Did your parents ever tell you that? Uh, verse 34, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Um, so he's talking about the company we keep, the kind of influences we have in our life. Bad company corrupts good character. Let me ask you, who are you spending most of your time with? Because whether you think so or not, the people you hang out with the most will influence what you think and how you live, uh, how you how you think determines how you live. And so as your thinking begins to change, it influences your beliefs about God. We see this more and more today of people falling away from faith simply because they've chosen to hang around people who are doubters, who are skeptics, who are scoffers and mockers. And, and so uh, people who are not, you know, living uh, for Jesus or 
uh, trying to live for Jesus. That's the thing. I mean, you know, nobody gets this perfectly, but are you on the path? So again, another thing, you know, we say people need to be in connection groups, right? You need to be with some people who will encourage your faith, who will point you in the right direction, who can hold you accountable. You know, none of us likes it when somebody holds us accountable, but it's so important that we have that. Um, I've said this, we are the average of the, the, of our five closest friends, right? Uh, we become more like them. And I think this is also true as I think about media intake, you know, we think, oh, that's not going to affect me. I can watch that and I can put that in my mind and I know what's true and it's not going to really affect me. Let me tell you, there are influences and they're not subtle influences, even right now today on every single TV show you watch, you know, on Netflix, Hulu, whatever they are, they have a message. Now it's, they put it in there subtly but they are preaching a message to you. And so you got to focus in on those that are going to be building your character. And uh, sometimes, you know, people, and what he's talking about is uh, people were saying, well, there's no resurrection. That's just a myth. That didn't really happen. Well, let me tell you, people who say that many times, there's a reason they say that because they want to stay in their sinful lifestyle. And if you acknowledge uh, that Jesus is Lord then, and Jesus is life, then all of a sudden you're accountable for your sin. And so he's saying, look, look, stop sinning. Stop sinning. Your life should be changed because of uh, the resurrection. And, you know, before you knew Jesus, you didn't have any power over saying no to sin, but now you do. Now you do because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, now, he's saying, watch out for these selfish, sinful philosophies that are influencing you. Those people who would argue against the truth of, of uh, faith and of hope and of the love of God, right? And so, you know, when the world uh, seems just out of control, you know, and, and you are, are sick of all of the chaos and the disorder and the violence and the the war, you know, in the streets, uh, you can just remind yourself, Jesus died and he rose again for the purpose of of redeeming the world. And we are saved and he is going to ultimately redeem the world. And, um, and so you think about this, every missionary that goes overseas is a statement of faith in the resurrection. Every uh, time you forgive, that is a statement of faith in the resurrection. Uh, when you care for the poor, when you feed the hungry, when you defend the weak, you are acting on the truth of the resurrection. When you take a, a step in your life, a step forward in faith, and when you're trusting in God, when you're living for Jesus, you are you are trusting and you are declaring the truth of the resurrection. And, you know, so often we want to do what we want to do, right? We just say, I want to do what I want to do. And that's, that's why so often we will deny the essential truths of the Bible. Instead, we need to say, God, help me. Give me the desire to do what you want me to do, to live for you. So the resurrection, what we've seen here is the resurrection makes our faith real but also, I want to kind of go on in this next passage, if you've got a few more minutes to spend with me, 
because we'll find that the resurrection makes the perishable imperishable. Check this out. Here's the principle. Our resurrected bodies will be perfect. They won't be subject to death or disease or weakness of any kind. Look at verse 35. Okay, I'm going to read through uh, verse 41. It says, but someone will ask, and he's raising these questions, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Um, How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, just, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And stars differ from stars in splendor. So he, he, somebody's asking the question, well, if you don't, can't explain fully the resurrection and, and what our bodies will be like and what the new life will be like, then, then why should we really believe in it? <laughs> and Paul's saying, that's foolish. You know, you don't have to understand everything in order to, to believe. But, but what he's saying is uh, the body that you will receive is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be a miserable, decaying body. And, um, and so it, he gives this picture of a seed that, in effect, dies so a new plant will grow. And in the same way, you look at Jesus. He died on the cross. He was buried as if he was planted, right? He was put in the ground in a tomb. Um, and when he rose, his body was gone. He was changed. So you look at uh, verse 42. It says, uh, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable and it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And this, these three verses here give a good picture of what the new body will be like. He says, you know, death is defeated when, when by the, you know, by the time you die, your, your body is, uh, it's mortal, but it's going to be raised immortal. It's perishable. It's raised imperishable. Uh, even in dishonor, you've, you've gotten weak and, and you've died, but you're raised in glory from weakness to strength. And, um, you know, Jesus, we look at Jesus' body. He uh, had, we see that after the resurrection, his body was glorified, but he still looked like a, a human a person. You know, he had, a, he had hands and, and a mouth and, and all of these things. But that body was somehow perfected. And what we know is when uh, in eternity, there will be no more pain, no, no more sorrow, no more sickness, uh, no more tears. All of those things are gone. And so, uh, but our body, it's not just a spiritual body. It is a physical body that we receive. Now look at verse 44. He gives an order to this. He says, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. After that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. 
as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He gives this picture of the first Adam and the second Adam, the first man and the second man. So we are children, all, every person, really, we descended from one one man, from Adam, who was our physical father. And because of that, in a sense, he, he was also a spiritual father to us because he sinned. And we also follow in his footsteps with our sin. We understand what that looks like. We understand what it means to struggle with sin and to be uh, to be human in that sense. But also, as we look at Jesus, Jesus is our spiritual father, and we will reflect his image for all of eternity. And God gives us this promise of something new. And I think the way we now live, here's how we should live. We should live looking forward to receiving our perfect resurrected bodies uh, at the time when after we die and at the end, we know that we will be resurrected and we'll be in the presence of Jesus and we can look forward to that. And I really, as I kind of circle back to, to where we started, you know, we got to keep that in mind. In light of all that we're experiencing in the world, we understand that God still has a plan, that he's going to complete that plan in our lives. And that gives us hope. You know, I just, uh, I was just um, watching a funeral, you know, and I just, it reminded me once again, that without the, the promise of resurrection, we would be hopeless. But because we know that Jesus rose, that we will also rise, then we have incredible hope and we have incredible courage for living today. And that should fill you with courage as we, uh, as we wrap this up. I hope that you'll remember that and keep your mind focused on the reality that Jesus defeated death and the grave. So let's, uh, let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your promise. God, help us to remember that because of the, the truth and the reality of the resurrection, it makes all the difference in our life, that we are saved, that we can serve, we can live for you, we can live courageously for you, and that you are changing us day by day to be more like Jesus. We thank you for that, and we're committing our lives to you in a fresh and a new way today. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I look forward to seeing you real soon. And uh, so go and have a blessed day. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. Thank you.
Thank you.